0: Here they come!
1: Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and for our second Christmas set subject, I'm joined by Kelly Hogaboom to discuss the kitchen scene in Gremlins.
0: If I talk, I'm kind of nervous when I take tests. Hello, Kelly. Good afternoon, Eric.
1: Good afternoon, um, Kelly. Gremlins. Um, were you old enough to see it in the cinema?
0: You know, I was, but I didn't see it in the cinema. So I would have been about seven when this came out, and because um, it's it's nineteen eighty four, right?
1: Yeah, summer of nineteen eighty
0: four. Okay, yeah, okay. So I mean, I have to I have to give a tiny bit of background. I grew up without television. And the way that I watched anything was either at a friend's house or my parents would rent a big um, VCR in the black, you know, case. I Mm. don't know if you you probably remember that. Oh,
1: I remember them very well, yeah.
0: Right. And so my parents usually would pick the movies. And I think that's why I didn't see Gremlins until, you know, probably the early 90s at a friend's house where it was on TV. So I didn't, you know, it's one of those films that someone my age should have seen it. Um, you know, right after it came out. But I I kind of didn't.
1: Right, right. Um, The thing is, I mean, I'm a bit surprised that it came out in the summer. I mean, this is a Christmas set film. Right. And and it was released at the beginning of summer of 1984. And and I saw somewhere it was because the studio, they were banking on it being a massive hit. And at that time, you know, you want the summer crowd. But it seems a bit staffed to do it that way.
0: Yeah, well, um, everything, everything's a little different now. Like if they are going to plan a winter release um, or, you know, a holiday release, they can get it on social media and get it to people really fast. And mm. I assume that things were a little different then. I mean, maybe they wanted people to get into the Gremlins frenzy so that by the time it was the holiday season, they would buy all the toys. I mean, yeah. I don't know. But that you're right. That's an odd timing,
1: especially as over here in the UK. We didn't have it in the summer. We actually did have it in December um it came out the first week of december it came out on exactly the same day as ghostbusters
0: oh well there's no contest there <laughs> so, <laughs> so does that mean you remember it coming out like you went and saw it or no,
1: no i was showing it you know i, oh, I, I was a projectionist, yeah,
0: projectionist. Mm-hmm. and, and there's a projectionist uh I, I noticed that in the film there's some projectionist stuff
1: Oh, there is, yes, and and I, I remember watching that, you know, um, when the film first came out. It, it's like you get in an awful lot of um, uh, uh, film depictions of what a projection box, um, how it operates, and what it does. And um, everyone seems to think that the whole film will fit on one reel, you know. Right. And uh, that the days of running, um, you know, alternate reels on alternate projectors are, are long gone. Um, Billy's cinema in this film they wouldn't have been showing it in that way and yeah the gremlins messing around in the work into the projector uh that ain't gonna work you know so <laughs>
0: see uh, every time now that I see a movie where they have something in a projectionist booth like I watched the last action hero a little while ago and I think the blob from the 80s I always think of you and I always think oh Eric would have commentary on this <laughs> but I wouldn't I wouldn't know any better of course when I when I see a movie like that
1: um, yeah, and as I say, it, it came out in December of 84. And I always remember because, um, the cinema I was, I was in the two big auditoriums, one had Ghostbusters in it and one had Gremlins in it. And everybody went to see Ghostbusters and nobody went to see Gremlins.
0: Yeah. And, it, you know, it's funny because, um, You know, really, who could have said which one would become massive and which one would become a kind of a footnote in 80s horror comedy? You know what I mean? It's, um, but yeah, I mean, Ghostbusters is a way better film, in my opinion, but there's also somewhat an arbitrary nature as to what becomes like beloved in the, in our pop culture. Yeah.
1: They're also quite similar. You know, they've got dark humor, you know, they are cult films, yeah. but you know, ghostbusters, it had the Ray Park song, didn't it? It had, um, um, you know, it had all the merchandise and it had the iconic ghostbusters logo, which was just absolutely everywhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I just remember not many people going to see gremlins. um, but I actually prefer gremlins over ghostbusters because it is so effects heavy. I, uh, I enjoy ghostbusters and you know, the humor in it is great, but there's far more, you know, in the way of practical effects going on in gremlins.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I only started paying attention to practical effects as, as like an effects, like looking at them that way, since you and I have got to know each other. And um, so when I was watching gremlins last night for my homework, I was amazed at how much, um, how many effects are in the film. It, it is impressive. What, whatever you think of the film, they, they did a lot of work in this one.
1: Yeah, I also I, – I've got great fondness for this film because, you know, it has got so many nods to other films, TV shows, you know, pop culture and everything. You've got so many actors in it that, you know – Joe Dante is a fanboy, isn't he? He's a movie yes. fanboy. He's a science fiction, horror, fantasy fanboy, and – if I was him and I had access to all these people and the budget and stuff, this is the sort of thing that I'd be making. I'd be putting all my heroes into my films, you know?
0: Yeah, there are tons of references and tons of clips of other films in the background. And I mean, there were, um, you know, I didn't even catch all of them, uh, you know, and I and I know a tiny bit about, about film history. So that was that was a pleasant surprise as well, because like I said, I hadn't seen this film in like 30 years. mm.
1: I mean some of it I mean it's very in your face isn't it you know if you've got invasion of the body snatchers up on the TV while these cocoons are um you know right. hatching out right. and and you know you've got um the Mrs Deagle the Mrs Deagle character uh you know this very nasty lady in it she's a mix of uh Mr Potter I Just, thought from right. uh, It's a Wonderful Life I mean the the high street in this in this town looks exactly like the high street in um uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Mrs. Deagle is Mr. Potter plus um, the human incarnation of the Wicked Witch of the West from Wizard of Oz, I always think.
0: That first scene with her was definitely a reference to Wizard of Oz. And, of course, they also show a couple clips from It's a Wonderful Life. So, yeah, yeah, you know, some of it was heavy handed, but it it was very cute.
1: It's not subtle, is it, the reference scene?
0: Well, some of it, I think, was for me. But also I I was like struggling to get my 13 year old to watch it with me. (laughs) Oh, really? He was trying to bail, like, the whole time. So now, why? Why? I, I don't know. I mean, my kids, uh, you never know what they're going to like and what they're not going to like. But I suspect it was less about the film and more about the fact he wanted to play uh, games online with friends.
1: Uh, yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that's the youth of today, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, well, we'll get into this sequence then, shall we?
0: All right. Sounds good.
1: All right. So um, let's go ahead and have a clip. just before our sequence we know something's up because one of the cocoons has hatched at the school hasn't it right um now has it actually killed mr anson
0: um, I think it has, or it's, hasn't it ambushed him, but we don't know that he's dead yet. Isn't that where we're at in the film?
1: Well, you, you kind of like see it grab his arm and, yes. um, and the next time you see him, he's got a hypodermic in his buttocks. So right. I guess you've got to infer he, he's a goner.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there was, like, okay, the the whole tone of this film was so strange because that's the first really nasty, like, that's the first murder. Mm. And then it just goes, there's a lot more murders, and I didn't find them nearly as funny as the film score seemed to be telling me to find them. So, But, yeah, it, it's pretty heavily implied that he's dead.
1: Yeah, I think... Um, watching it because I l- like you I haven't watched it for a very long time either I think maybe the idea about because yeah you're right I've, you know it's away from the sequence we're going to talk about today but sometimes some of the uh the deaths that happen you know you have got this quite cheerful music and I'm wondering if that was a way to alleviate you know the nastiness if you put this music over the top maybe you're taking you know some of the the grimness away maybe
0: I think horror comedy is a hard note to get. If you're going to actually kill people on screen um, and then make it funny, I think it's just hard, a hard thing to pull off. But when it's pulled off, it's excellent.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So, Frances Lee McCain, she's Lynn Pelt It is is Peltz, isn't it? Lynn yes. Peltz, Billy's mum. Uh, and she's at home and she's making gingerbread men. And... Which is the
0: most disgusting looking gingerbread <laughs> men I have seen in my life. Yeah
1: <laughs> it's an oddball family this, isn't it? You know? Yes it
0: is. Yeah. I mean the dad's like pretty much physically absent and sort of mentally and emotionally absent and yeah. she's like super, super supportive, pretty sweet mom, but she's kind of a goofball. Um yeah, she's so she's frosting these gingerbread men like I mean that kitchen is was gross before all of the events that we're about to talk about. It was yeah. just like yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, but she hears the noise of Gizmo. He's being, well, tortured, basically, upstairs, isn't it? You know, he's on the dartboard having darts being thrown at him, and then they, they chuck him down the laundry chute. Um, do you have laundry chutes in houses in America? I've never known a house over here have a laundry chute in it.
0: We do. We have a lot of Victorian houses where I live, and we do have laundry chutes. I've ah, never lived right. in a house with one, though.
1: Okay, yeah, so he gets chucked into them with the uh, the line, Gizmo Kaka. Um, I like the sound design of this film you know I mean uh, the uh, all the sound effects and you know the well, they are voices the gremlin voices you know they're mm-hmm. pretty well done you know
0: mm-hmm yeah
1: so she goes to head up to Billy's attic room um, armed with a knife when the phone rings and uh, and it's Billy who's you know trying to warn her to get out of the house but the lines are cut along with the whole phone home line you know from the gremlin Um, again there are so many references to other films in this film Um, I think maybe thinking about it if if there hadn't been the comedy music over you know the violence and the deaths if it wasn't so so obviously self-referential to other films it would be more of an out-and-out horror film wouldn't it
0: yeah I agree with you it has a lot of elements of horror like this sequence um, reminded me of Scenes from Black Christmas, even like mm. it. Ha- it looks creepier, but you know the puppets. Um, the puppets take away from it being creepy, and like you say, the music too.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> on comes Johnny Mathis with uh, "Do You Hear What I Hear?" Right now, every Christmas since I've seen this film, I cannot hear this song without thinking of flaming gremlins. Now, <laughs> you
0: know. Okay. Yeah, that that was supposed to be spooky. Was it? I think it was. I thought it was. Um, But yeah, you know, because she's she's upstairs when it when it comes on. Right. Yeah. That's right. after. Yeah. okay.
1: Yeah. But I I can't find that spooky. That comes on. (laughs) I'm thinking of Gremlins and I'm thinking of Johnny Mathis in a in a chunky, sensible sweater. You know, right. (laughs) That is not a spooky song. Um, She turns off the record player and we get silence and then she gets a glass thrown at her. Yeah. and she creeps to the kitchen and we we see this nifty shadow on the wall which is really well done considering these are all puppets Mm -hmm. to actually animate a puppet in a way that its shadow is so fluid as that i think is really well done
0: yeah there was a bunch of stuff where i couldn't even imagine how they did it so um i'm hoping you're going to go into that in the behind the scenes uh, section we're out
1: we're out of the sequence a bit right now but earlier when you see mogwai Uh, gizmo the mogwai when he's up in billy's room um some of the times when you see him close up with the eye blinking yes that's a puppet but i think there's a bit of stop motion going on there or something there's something not quite right about they've either stop motioned it or they've sped him up or something they've they've altered it in some way because it doesn't look like a conventional puppet
0: i agree with you and there were scenes like um when he first like shoots out those little fur balls and they grow into Mm. new mogwais one of them starts at like ping pong size and it grows to an orange size Mm. and that was like one of the most impressive effects in the movie for me because i couldn't figure out how they did it i'm sure it's something super simple but it was so fluid like you say and of course there are scenes in the film that weren't fluid that were like when they're all running down the street at the end i found that like clumsy looking
1: that is stop motion animation that definitely is stop motion animation i think those little uh fur balls which then grow i think it is something as simple as you've got almost like if you you can't have a furry balloon but but a balloon with an expanse of hair under the under the table you inflate that it brings the hair out with it and i think that's what's going on there
0: some kind of a bladder or something but yeah yeah, there was there was so many like kind of brilliant um impressive moments like that and mm. uh i i don't know the i i was pleasantly surprised by the effects because you know i hadn't expected much going into it last night
1: mm. marshy Mar- she creeps into the kitchen and the camera pulls back to see a gremlin it's our first proper proper you know sustained look at him we've seen him briefly in a cupboard you know, leaping out at Billy at the school, but here, here we've got a, a, a sustained shot of him, and uh, we see him munching on a gingerbread man.
0: Oh God, yeah, and, and he like
1: snarls. He does. He sort of hears her, yeah. uh, doesn't he? He, li- yeah. he Lifts his ears up and he ear up and he snarls and then goes yum yum.
0: Oh. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> and then he climbs into the open top blender. Now I'm presuming this is a uh, a a peltzer device because there's no health and safety here is there
0: (laughs) no it was a weird device i mean it had peltzer's logo on it and it was clearly some kind of mixing bowl but it was a huge bowl without a lid which i don't understand why you would have that at all um (laughs) but yeah he climbs in it and she pretty quickly um you know darts forward and turns it on to kill like she's just straight up ready to murder this thing right away just like boom (laughs)
1: <laughs> she, she, in this sequence, she's almost like Ripley, you know, from yeah. Alien. You know?
0: She, was, she was ready to just, I mean, there was, I, I would have run out the house and yeah. called the authorities. But she just goes in and, and proceeds to murder, like, three creatures.
1: Yeah, and she turns it on, and uh, we get the icky green muck everywhere, yeah. don't we?
0: Yep, black, green blood, yep.
1: Yeah, nice and gross. And we cut back, <laughs> and it's still spinning because his legs are sticking out the top, going round and round. Right. And she and she turns that off. Now, I I haven't seen any behind the scenes video of, you know, the uncut, um, you know, uh, effects footage to just see how graphic it might have been. But then they maybe toned it down and just had the ickiness.
0: Yeah, I read somewhere that the film was supposed to be even darker when it was first kind of put together. So I like you, I don't I don't know what that would have look like. But mm. yeah, that that seems pretty gruesome like for a kid's film.
1: This is I I was gonna mention about this. I mean, I don't know what the certificate was in uh, um America. Over here it was a fifteen. Um, and it's just actually recently been downgraded to a twelve but yeah it, it it is it is quite strong isn't it
0: i think it's pg13 and i think the uh film kind of pushed the envelope on that rating um or what we call rating what you call a certificate but um yeah it's i don't know i mean it just depends on your like like today i don't think of it as that gruesome because of this kind of thing you can see today online and um But at the time, I think of a little eight-year-old going to the movie with his mom or, you know, renting the movie. I I think he'd be terrified, but I don't know, maybe.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I went on the BBFC site to, you know, just... Check on it, and and that's where I found out it's now a 12A. And it has the list of the things, reasons why you know it was given a 15. And yes, it is the violence, it is the peril, it's also the whole Phoebe Cates thing about her dad being stuck up the chimney. Yeah,
0: that story was intense. Okay, so I just (laughs) looked it up and it said, um. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Gremlins, hmm. which Spielberg produced, were rated PG upon their release and subsequently criticized for not being kid-appropriate. To avoid being slapped with an R rating in the future, Spielberg suggested that the MPAA add a rating between PG and R. On August 10, 1984, Red Dawn became the first movie to be released with a new PG-13 rating. So this movie is kind of um, responsible, yeah. for one of the two films. That's, that's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, and and you know it it's just it became a new benchmark, didn't it? You know, guess, after, yeah. after that, yeah. Right, so plates are being thrown at Mar here, and um and she uses a tray as a shield, um and she stabs to death <laughs> the one that's yep. throwing the plates at it. She just goes for it.
0: Yep, she is on it. It can. It was so there's. Two more gremlins that attack her and they kind of wait their turn, right? Yes. Because the second gremlin waits till she's all done uh, blending up the first gremlin, starts to throw the plates. She's using that TV tray as a shield, yes. goes in with a giant knife, stabs that thing to death. Yeah. And then she's kind of, like, staring at it, like, yeah. looking like – she looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger after he's, like, broken someone's neck in an action film. She's all sweaty. And like, yeah, it's like she's gone psycho. <laughs> yeah, she's, she was – yeah. So then I can't remember what the third gremlin – he throws something at her.
1: Now, the next one is in the door of the microwave. He's standing in the microwave.
0: Yeah, but he, he, he scares her somehow because she turns around and – Grabs the flea and tick spray that she had on the counter. That's right. Yeah. Gross, and sprays him, and he conveniently backs into into the, the mi-
1: oven, and so she can shut oh. the door and turns it on. See, I'm thinking as well. You know, for the certificate thing, if you're showing children, you can put animals in the microwave.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Maybe oh. that's something to do with it.
0: Yeah, that. Um, I'm not not a fan of, uh, you know, did you ever watch Snakes on a Plane?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: you remember they threw the snake in the microwave? And the the guy punched the button and the button on the microwave says snake. Like, you know, there's popcorn coffee. (laughs) That's a pretty funny, funny moment.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because I know over here um, when I was young that a no-no on television or films was to show uh, children playing near a washing machine. Right. So in, c- in case they got in and the yeah. door was shut. you know. So it might be something like that. Maybe that actually went towards the certificate as well. The death by a microwave.
0: Well, microwaves couldn't have been... They might must have been kind of a new thing in kitchens in 1984.
1: I know we certainly didn't have one, you know, um, not at all. We
0: wow. had a huge one. <laughs> huge!
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like everything. everything's miniaturized now, isn't it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so he blows up. Now, um in I was going to say this in behind the scenes but uh might as well mention it now him blowing up um there were more graphic versions mm. of, 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 you, you actually saw more of him body parts burning or exploding or whatever and in the end it's it it's essentially like like a balloon if you like that explodes inside
0: yeah oh my gosh that that was i mean as gross as that was i thought that was pretty pretty well done it's pretty gross pretty gruesome it
1: always used to get a reaction because i used to pop in and watch this bit um this always used to get a reaction out of people the microwave one more than any of the other bits in this sequence it's the microwave uh, explosion
0: well i think microwaves still scare people a little bit you know it's a form of radiation i think people yeah. have always had a huge fear of radiation
1: <laughs> yep my, my favorite uh, ma moment is is coming up now because she she goes and gets one knife and then she decides, no, I'm going to have another one as well. And just before she sets off, uh, she gives the, the microwave such a look before she sets off.
0: Oh, I don't I don't remember that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> she she leaves the kitchen and she goes off into into the living room. And we're meant to believe there's one in the stocking above the fireplace, aren't we?
0: Yep. She sees some movement in the stocking. I was a little worried it was somehow gizmo and, um, you know, right but it wasn't.
1: No, no, no. It's some robot or something, isn't it?
0: Like toy robot. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And it, it's a good moment. She backs away uh, towards the Christmas tree. And we see the Christmas tree behind her. And you see that two of the red lights that was aren't, good. aren't red lights. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: that, was, that was cool. The glowing eyes. That, that was freaky.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And down goes the tree on top of her. And now she's got a gremlin um, attacking her and um, basically trying to strangle her with all the tinsel and stuff
0: yeah and that scene also was very it was very horror like Mm. you know it was pretty intense like I was pretty confident they weren't going to kill the mom off although I'm reading here originally um Billy's dog wait a gremlin ate Billy's dog then Mm. decapitated his mom and threw her head down the stairs so that that was the original like idea of the film see
1: that would have been an out and out horror film and and no way would that have been a PG (laughs) And we've got Stripe as well. He's watching in a box as, as all right. this is going on, isn't he?
0: Yeah, and I, I mentioned on Facebook last night, I've been misremembering Stripe's name. I've been thinking his name was Spike for like yep. 30 years but it's stripe okay Oh,
1: spike stripe. spike is the bulldog in tom and jerry <laughs>
0: okay well spike makes sense because the gremlins have spikes on them it's kind of a scary name you know but yeah stripe he's the he's the like little ringleader dude yeah, he, so he's, yeah
1: he's, he's got the white mohican he's got the stripe from his mm-hmm. white mohican yeah but billy comes in i like i like how he uses the sword it's, it's a it's a running gag throughout the whole film anyone some anytime anyone comes through the front door the sword falls off the wall right
0: right and he kind of doesn't he kind of stand there and kind of watch what's he's like oh my mom's getting strangled what should I, what should I do like he, he takes a minute you know he thinks yeah. it's yeah. before he gets the sword
1: yeah but he does in you know, and it's like hey and uh, the gremlin is like Uh-oh, and, right. uh oh and off the head goes flying through the air into the fire where it starts you know, you know pop in and cooking.
0: <sighs> yeah that was a, that was a scary like that the image of that thing in the fireplace pretty scary pretty well done yeah
1: very well done um and and we've got a nice capping moment to this sequence is you see stripe at the window and uh before smashing his way through the window he decides just to blow his nose on the on the curtains
0: oh yeah (laughs) this this is not a film to watch when you're trying to eat dinner let me just say it's just full of goo and gore and yeah
1: Especially a microwave dinner.
0: Yeah. With yeah.
1: gingerbread men for dessert.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. That's the sequence over. Uh, Stripes off. He's running out into the snow. So that's our sequence over. So uh, we'll go to to behind the scenes. Now, do you know much on behind the
0: scenes on it? I always say I don't, but I really, really don't in this case. Promise.
1: All right. Right, so the Gremlin effects were headed up by a guy by the name of Chris Wallace. Okay, Um, he had already worked on Piranha, Humanoids from the Deep, Dragon Slayer, and Return of the Jedi in the Creature Workshops for those films. Okay. Okay. Uh, The initial idea was to have them done by stop motion, um, and but that idea was nixed. 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 Apart from that, as you say, that very brief. not convincing scene where they come out of the gloom going up the high street don't they
0: right
1: yeah um so that idea was uh, next um, chris then suggested puppets okay uh, the studio wasn't keen on that and as a, as a compromise they suggested putting a spider monkey in a suit
0: oh jeez
1: exactly <laughs> <laughs> um not a good idea at any time in in hollywood history doing anything like that is that a good idea <laughs> oh, no. and it was proved and good on your spider, spider monkey because what happened was they took this spider monkey in a suit along to joe dante's office um he was fine in the suit until they put the head on and he went crazy and he defecated everywhere
0: oh uh, well monkeys you know are gonna do that
1: <laughs> yeah monkeys one human zero <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> right
1: Um, So, yeah, that's when they decided to go for the puppet idea. Now, Chris Wallace, he he wasn't a fan of the Mogwai puppet um, because it was very complicated. It was uh, very often they had a much larger scale um, gizmo um, just to get all the mechanics in and everything. But he did. He did like the gremlins, though. Um, The gremlin puppets that you see, they are the actual scale Gremlins, if you you like. Um, He thought they were a good size for puppeteering um, and rigging and just handling in general. They were just right. Um, Gizmo was far smaller and that just made things much more complicated. Sure. Um, There are a number of styles of Gremlin puppets, each with uh, a varying degree of complexity of uh, facial and head movement. You see that um, um, particularly in the cinema sequence near the end, don't you? You've got a ton of different uh, faces Mm -hmm. on them
0: right
1: yeah um, now they all range from simple open closed mouth puppets to the super gremlin now the super gremlin he had a system for the arms and hands and he had a full range of facial and head movements as well as bladder effects as well we had the tubing in there for bladder effects okay uh, but all that all that complexity that made up him it resulted in in him having 64 cables Coming okay. out of it and uh, he weighs weighed a ton, but he was the most versatile. Okay Now um, When they made the film they couldn't have the sets built up on raised platforms like most puppet films You know, you got a Muppet film or whatever you you, you raise your set up um, on a platform uh, okay. The budget the budget didn't cover that they just didn't have enough money to do it But there was a guy by the name of Jim Spencer he was the production designer on the film and he came up with the idea of At Warner Brothers, there was a stage that had a swimming pool in it. And what he did was they drained the pool and they built the sets over the swimming pool. So the puppeteers went down into the swimming pool and that's That's how they did it.
0: Very clever.
1: Very clever, isn't it?
0: And that wasn't that had nothing to do with the swimming pool that was in the film, though. Totally
1: no, no, okay. no, 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 um, no. Usually the puppeteers would be working from beneath the set and Chris Wallace would be on the set. Um, Joe Dante would pass on to Chris what he wanted and he would pass that on to the puppeteers below via radio and he had a, like a video monitor so he could see what was going on and everything, okay? Okay.
0: Um,
1: I don't know if you spotted it, but did you notice how they reference joe dante's the howling There's a smiley face on the fridge door
0: i didn't um notice that but the beginning of the film reminded me of the beginning of the howling quite a bit mm. um just the setting and down the alley and all of that but no i did yeah. not see the smiley face
1: it's also the lighting you know when yeah. when the father's going through chinatown the lighting is very similar to to right. the howling isn't it mm-hmm. yeah Yeah. um, Yeah. The microwave, the gremlin in the microwave, it it was a shot that the effects crew, they never thought it would actually make it into the film because they thought it was so over the top. They thought, well, they'll they'll never pass this. Okay. OK, they shot it twice. As I say, the first take, it was rejected because you just saw too much of the gremlin exploding. And and the second one was what we see. It's basically a balloon or something, you know, just filled with goo exploding yeah now we've we've been talking about you know this this film could have been darker than it actually ended up being and um there was a scene um just after lynn uh, stabs the gremlin to death in the kitchen that there was an unused effect of the gremlin trying to pull the knife free from its body okay <laughs> but that was considered too dis- di- distressing okay
0: you know, it's well, so interesting in this film because the whole, they don't, like, from the very beginning, the creatures aren't treated with any empathy. Like, even Gizmo is treated. Do you remember when they first get water on him and he starts yeah. to thrash around and scream in pain? And He's these, in a
1: lot of pain, isn't he?
0: And the two young men, you know, Corey Feldman and, um, I forget his name, the um, Zach, uh, the, the lead. Billy they, Billy, they don't, they don't care at all. They like, they give him no TLC. They don't comfort him. I mean, the whole film was weird it, to me. It weirdly, like, I, I want to say it dehumanized the creatures, but of course the creatures aren't human, but the whole film was like that. And I just wonder if a scene of the, if the creature was trying to struggle and pull the knife out of its body, if that would make it too, I don't know, too much like a creature that was really suffering, you know, mm. um, so, I wonder if that's one of the reasons that didn't read well and they didn't want to put it in the film.
1: I tell you what didn't read well with me as well is, and I, I guess it's you know just how I've changed the person or the world has changed it. But watching the beginning of the film when uh, you know Dad, finds uh the mogwai and everything and it's like oh i want to buy that for my son for christmas and they're talking about a living creature yeah you know and when billy sees gizmo for the first time what is it and you right. know and it's like yes. but this is a living creature right. you know and you're just treating it like an object
0: The, yeah. the whole thing was like that of course the film is very sensitive sensitive to the dog the yes. you know, the film, <laughs> the film loves you know movies like dogs they don't like cats um mm. in, in films but uh yeah, no, I I noticed that. I mean, you know that I'm vegan, so I'm I'm super sensitive. So you know that's me. You know, not everyone's gonna. But I, I it was odd the way they treated the creatures from beginning to end. Um, mm. It it felt it felt strange to me. But um, yeah, anyway, moving on.
1: Yeah, no, I tell you another thing that occurred to me when I was watching it is you know the the, 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 the violence in it, the deaths in it. They are very cartoony and um lot. And maybe the treatment of the animals as well is, is, is very in keeping with something you might have seen in a, in a Looney Tunes cartoon or a Merry Melodies. And of course, in the bar at the beginning, you actually have a cameo from Chuck Jones, who was lead animator on a lot of the Looney Tunes. Oh, and um, yeah, yeah, he's the guy when you see Billy, he's done a, a, a sketch of Mrs. Deagle as a dragon being slayed. The man that says, "Oh, that's you've you, you captured her just right." That's Chuck Jones.
0: Oh, cool! Well, I could tell. I could tell by the way they position that person that it was some cameo, but I didn't look up who it was. So that that's cool.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if one exists, but I would like to see an Easter egg page for Gremlins to say look, this person was in that, this person is from this, you know, and and just play spot the celeb you know
0: Yeah, have they have they put out a blu-ray for gremlins i'm sure it's loaded with stuff if they have
1: it is on blu-ray but i don't have it i've still got the bog standard um you know dvd you mm-hmm. know i mean some of the some of the appearances are just so in your face i mean for instance i mean it's topical to us at time of recording but robbie the robot's in it isn't he right
0: he, he strolls by at the convention that the yes. inventor is at yeah
1: yeah, the five point three million dollar robot <laughs> right. after being sold yesterday. I
0: saw that. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know who's maybe Joe Dante's bought it, you know, or Spielberg or somebody. Somebody, um, yeah, yeah, somebody with an awful lot of disposable income.
0: Right. Now, I mean, have are you? Did you write notes for? Were you planning to talk about creature design? Can do. Well, I just i I've always. I, I don't like Gizmo. I don't find him cute, but I know that a lot of people did and have. I was wondering if you knew where they got the creature design for the Gremlins because they are pretty cool looking. They're pretty iconic, um, pretty recognizable, and they have those little white, um, like dots on them that yes. make them kind of look like a jungle creature. And I just I know nothing about who designed them or what their influences were.
1: Well, it is Chris Wallace. I mean, he he is the guy um it it all came from him you know we've got him to thank for it the mogwai as well um i I, i'm the same with you I'm, i'm not a big fan of gizmo the only time i like gizmo and it still holds up i still find it absolutely astonishing um my favorite gizmo moment is when you see the sequence when he's in the attic with billy on the first night and it's a long shot and gizmo's from the back and they're playing on that little electric keyboard You know and Billy's Uh pressing a note and then Gizmo sings it and it's the way his ears move and then the camera turns round and you see your first proper shot of Gizmo and uh, yeah that is is astonishing considering that's 1984 and that's a puppet yeah I, I, I just think that's absolutely fabulous that moment
0: yeah as far as puppets go there's some good puppetry in this
1: yeah yeah Right. Well, that's us at, at the end of the uh, behind the scenes, basically. OK, <clears throat> so, you know what happens next, then?
0: It's the rating.
1: Go on. What do you think?
0: Oh, geez, Well, I'm going to say for its time, um, I'm going to give I, I always forget. Is this for just this sequence or for the whole film special effects?
1: No, just for the sequence.
0: I'm going to give the sequence um, probably a, a nine. I think it's really well done. It's well. It's well paced. The the microwave scene, as gross as it is, was really convincing and disgusting. And um, yeah, I th- I thought it was good uh, for for the the effects, even though it's just completely a disgusting scene. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I I totally echo you in that, Kelly. But I'm not as generous. I'm giving it an eight. Okay, right. so that gives it an eight and a half. All right. Now, something we didn't mention is: Have you seen the sequel?
0: No. And my husband told me there's a third one. Is that true?
1: Is there a third one? Well, no, I, I don't think sorry. there's a third one. I didn't
0: one. think there was. He said it took place in a lab. So I'm wondering if that was the second one. No, Did that's
1: you... the second yeah. one. That's the one okay. with Christopher Lee in it. Um, uh, no, yeah, I haven't a lo-
0: seen the sequel.
1: A lot of people prefer the second. Joe Dante prefers the second one. But it it it's like the studio balked at the reaction to this one. And it's like, right we're doing another one but we can't go that dark and it almost becomes a spoof of the first one and far far cuter and far far more lightweight than this one you know there's there's not that nasty edge to it you know
0: it looks like they have some of the returning cast too so yeah
1: um. yeah but no it's not for me the 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 evil gremlins in them, they become, they almost become Looney Tunes, you know, they become really caricature faces. Uh And um, what worked in the first one is, it's what Hollywood does. Oh, people like that bit, let's magnify it and make it bigger, you know, but that doesn't necessarily make it better. So no, I much prefer the first one.
0: No, and I I have seen the Mystery Science Theater Hobgoblins. You remember Hobgoblins? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It was like a terrible knockoff of the gremlin quote craze. And I have seen that film like three times.
1: (laughs) You can always guarantee there'll be a knockoff to any successful film can't you, you know,
0: I wanted to do a podcast where every every time we have a, an episode we f- we pick a good film and then we force each other to watch a knockoff of the mm-hmm. film because knockoffs are are awesome because they kind of highlight they're they're trying to go for whatever the original um you know nailed and they usually fail and it's just I, I love you know I'm a b-movie I'm a b-movie fan so I've mm-hmm. watched a lot of really really bad films
1: so. yeah you should do it
0: I know it would be fun.
1: We'll, we'll have to talk off air about that. Next. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that that's the show over. I'm glad no gremlins came along and interrupted the recording. Um, having said that, I haven't played this back, so I don't know actually if it has recorded. So
0: and this is our second gremlin recording. Cause we did the, you know, um, we the, did. didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With the other two gremlins. So we're probably done now though, right? There's no more um, cinematic gremlins out there. Are there?
1: I don't think so. Okay. No. I find, no, that that no. No, I think we've covered them all. Yeah. And that that <laughs> recording went off without a hitch, so I think we're all right. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay, Kelly, thank you for today.
0: Thank you very much. You always give me the best homework.
1: <laughs> Wait till you hear what I've got in store for you next time. Uh oh. <laughs> now you'll love it. All right.
0: Cheers, Kelly. All right, have a good night.
1: All right. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.